Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Stephen Brannan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. I don't know if anyone's noticed, but the world is a crazy place. I could go in a million different directions from that statement, Um, but I'll just zoom in on a couple for now. A couple of, I think, deceptively huge examples of the crazy. (laughs) My note says of the cray. That's a typo, but it's funny. Uh, One is simply the rate of change that our society is susceptible to presently. Things change so quickly. It used to be that even if catastrophic events like natural disasters or the toppling of a government would seem to change a society's reality overnight, the culture and the traditions and the beliefs of that society would still remain largely intact and for generations at that. But now, even amid relatively stable government operation, improving medicine, technology, etc., the very fabric of our culture, our beliefs and our traditions and outlook and worldview are shifting at a seismic level and rapidly. A Pew study was just released last week highlighting one massive finding. Religion in America, and Christianity in particular, has drastically declined in the last 10 years. So this study goes back um, uh, to 2009 and measures from the finding then till uh, July of this year. It found that Christians make up 65% of the U.S. adult population, according to the 29th study, down from 77 in 2009. In 10 years, 77% down to 65%. At the same time, those who don't identify with any religion, often known as the nuns now in these these studies, they make up more than a quarter of the population, over 25%, compared with just 17% 10 years ago. Only 45% of adults said they attended church at least once a month, down from 52% 10 years ago. Less than half of millennials, which is just about my age and and younger, the youngest demographic group in the study, identified as Christian. 40% of them are unaffiliated. And within Uh, The 26% of U.S. adults who are religiously unaffiliated, atheists grew to 4%, up from 2%. Agnostics grew to 5%, from 3%. And those who identify as nothing in particular rose to 17%, from 12%. These are big numbers in 10 years. Interestingly, the non-Christian religions held steady. Jews remain at 2% of the population and Muslims are at 1%. Uh, FYI, in case you want to know, Orthodox Christians in the U.S. are about 0.3%. So we're pretty drastically outnumbered by Muslims. This brings me to the second massive change that I want to bring up. What happens when Christianity and all the things that go along with it, living the life of Christians, sharply decline in society like ours that has essentially been built by it? Though the Pew study doesn't focus on these and might never draw these direct conclusions, I don't think it's missing the mark. Our ideas of family start falling apart. There's no answer to or bulwark against the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s. Um, 
that resulted in sex outside of marriage skyrocketing, becoming commoditized more and more, leaving women either constantly on birth control, which can negatively affect their hormones and their health in other ways, or else seeking out abortion after abortion to deal with the pregnancies resulting in their liberated sex lives. Men are set free to spread their seed around everywhere they want without the commitment that they used to have to make to care for their children. This insane freedom leaves people with lifelong consequences, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, that they have to work out for the rest of their lives without the benefit of a fruitful, stable home. Divorce has skyrocketed, families are broken apart, kids are without fathers, never learning how to be husbands or fathers. Without a family identity to hold on to, Indeed, without a church family identity, because the church is drastically declining as well, identity politics has all but taken over our national political stage, and people are desperately trying to say, I'm something, I belong to something, but only finding these empty, sorry substitutes to place their identities in. When we were all children of God and built our families after that model, there was no such thing, in fact, no need for the multitude of identities now on the market out there. Another horrific fact that's grown at a commiserate rate with the decline of Christianity and the rise of identity politics has been the rise of suicide rates. The suicide rate increased from 33% in 1999. I'm sorry, the suicide rate has increased 33% from 1999 to 2017. 33% in 20 years. I'm not saying that there aren't other factors involved in this rise, like poverty, for example, and other things. But when the culture changes this quickly, letting go of centuries-old foundations and replacing them with the empty freedoms that we've decided to go for instead, I don't think it's any wonder that people feel less grounded, less stable, more afraid, more angry, more anxious. And here we are this morning, the few of us that are here, bulking this trend, saying we want something else, holding on to those centuries-old, actually millennia-old traditions. And in our case, not just because they're customary or familiar, it's not like any of us grew up with all of this. A lot of us came to it intentionally. We're here because we genuinely believe in their source, the source of these traditions. We genuinely believe what we're about to affirm in the creed, We're here to encounter God because we believe God is real and that God is good. We believe everything we're doing here today is good in ways we can't even fully quantify or describe. This worship, this way of living is good. There's so much bad out there, and this is good. And when we see the world adrift out there, it should be our desire to help it anchor itself to bring people into an encounter with the God who is alive and present here. And not just present here, but present in their own hearts, if they could just learn to open their hearts. This culture running so quickly away from Christ, is it able still to listen to Christ, to listen to us Christians telling them about who Christ is, what he's done, what he's offering? In an essay several years back, uh, Richard John Newhouse said, the church is a unique society among the societies of the world, a community of obligations standing in solidarity with the truth who is Christ. That is how the church understood itself, 
herself in the apostolic period, as witnesses St. Paul's opening hymn in the letter to the Ephesians, his depiction of cosmic transformation in Romans 8, and his anticipation in Philippians 2 of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing Jesus as Lord. That is how the church understood herself in the patristic era when Justin Martyr proposed Christianity as a more satisfying, not as a more satisfying religion among other religions, but as the true philosophy. It was the understanding of St. Augustine who proposed in the City of God that the story of the gospel is nothing less than the story of the world. Were Christianity what a man does with his solitude, there would be no martyrs. In every vibrant period of the church's life, it has been understood that her message and mission are based on public events, are advanced by public argument, and invite public response. Our faith, our church, is emphatically for the whole world, for the life of the world. We have to relearn how to communicate the love of God for the world, the story of Jesus' self-sacrifice, the way of life that follows from that. The way of life Jesus demonstrates in today's gospel, where a man is in need, is not turned away, but is turned to and healed. Where he leaves the uh, Pharisees and the lawyers with a lesson, take the lowest seat, by which he means to empty yourself so that God can fill you and exalt you. He asks them, which of you, if you had an ox or an ass and it fell into a pit, would you not reach down and save it? And here I'm doing this for a man. We live in a world where we have all these freedoms. We are asses set free to fall into our own pits. <laughs> We're in pits demonstrating ourselves to be asses and God wants to pull us out. He wants to rescue us. That's our job, to show the world, yeah, you're, you're free, but you're in a pit, you ass. I'm, I am too, all of us. We need help, and we have a source. We have a leg up. We have a way out. Here it is. We have to learn how to communicate that. But how do we do it? How do we make those public arguments? How do we demonstrate and invite a public response? Well, St. Paul gives us some good examples. He distills Jesus' recommendation to the Pharisees in the epistle today. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm going to read those one more time because this is how we do it. We demonstrate the love of God and our lives transformed by that by being lowly, meek, patient, forbearing one another in love and eager to maintain unity in the spirit and the bond of peace. Lowliness, meekness, patience, forbearing, love, unity, and peace. That is what defines us. That's what should define our lives. Not rancor, not anger, not anxiousness, not pride, not a desire to show the world its ugliness to say in some way we're better, but to show the world its brokenness and say we are broken too, but we can be healed. 
That's the way we have to communicate to the world. That's the only way that people will start filling this nave on Sunday mornings, when they recognize that we can demonstrate a life lived better than the ones they're living, a life with fulfillment, with purpose, with peace, a life filled with patience and love, self-giving and sacrifice in imitation of our God who emptied himself as a sacrifice for us. You see what St. Paul's saying, this example he gives us about our way of life, it ties directly in with the fact, here's, here's how he finishes, by the way, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. St. Paul is saying that the way we live is directly tied in with the fact that there is only one God who is for the whole world. All of the multitude of the empty options out there end in nothingness. They don't go anywhere. We literally represent the single path to life among the whole world. Go and tell people about it, showing them by your life that it's true. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.